Yes, and obviously, as any real football fan knows, the tuck rule is bullshit, and that's why it is gone now. It does not exist anymore. And really, at the time, it barely did either. They were just desperate for uh, the red, white, and blue team to win after 9-11, you know, which that was fucking fucking bullshit. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. Well, I've got to start as uh, we welcome you to this 537th episode of Unscripted. Um, I have blundered again, and I apologize to Chris, and I apologize to everybody out there in Unscripted land. I've got so many things on my mind that um, I forgot to bring a microphone. So uh, my apologies to all of you. It's going to be a little unique here, but uh, we will try to persevere. Um, it's been a long time since, again, we've gotten together because of my new wonky schedule. So we're trying to, uh, adopt a little bit, something different here. Uh, we don't know what our schedules are going to look like in the future. So we're not going to get into, and obviously we've missed the first two weeks of the season. So we're going to get into when we do get the chance to get together in regard to that upcoming week's games in the national football league, we're going to give you our three lock picks of the weeks. I don't care if you do it against the spread. I don't care if you do it uh, straight up. I want you to, Chris and I are going to pick our three that we think are dead red winners on Sunday or the Monday night game. So this first episode will be dedicated to our three locks of the week. And then later on, depending on how many episodes Chris can stand me for today, uh, we'll take a look at the uh, the rest of the big four, the NBA, the National Hockey League. I'm a little pissed off about the Stanley Cup, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. It's a scheduling conflict. Nothing against Edmonton, nothing against the two teams that are still involved, but I think it's preposterous. Anyway, I'll get to that later. Let's start real quickly so Chris can get this up and get posted. Um, our three lock picks of the week. I'll do one. Chris will do one until we get to our three a lot of very intriguing games to choose from this weekend in the National Football League. I have all the point spreads for all of the games, but my first lock of the week, I think, is a message. And that message is to the rest of the National Football League that the reigning Super Bowl champions are coming into the city of Baltimore on Monday night. And I think this is where the Baltimore Ravens need to send a message. They need to tell people that we are going to be a player in this. I think it's obvious that the Baltimore Ravens are a player, but the way they got kind of unceremoniously dumped last year in the playoffs, I think that was a disappointment. It's got to leave a bad taste in the mouth of Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson and all the rest of the the people affiliated with the Baltimore Ravens. Here they are on the big stage on Monday night. The Ravens come in as three-and-a-half-point favorites, and I think this is a very possible preview of the AFC championship game in January but for the purposes of where we are week three in this very weird sports season in general but week three of the National Football League season I think this is a statement game for the Baltimore Ravens the defending Super Bowl champions are coming into your barn and I think that my first lock of the week is the Baltimore Ravens will beat the Kansas City Chiefs outright against the spread everything they're just going to go out there and i think this one is going to be baltimore's and this is a great chance for the ravens to send a message well that's a really surprising one mike i really didn't think that that was a game you were going to pick there are so many games this week including every single sunday afternoon game where there is a clear favorite especially straight up but 
like this is a week where it is just there are a lot of teams where you're like I know you got to be ready for upsets but man it's there are some long shots this week at pulling the upset and that was one of the last that was maybe the last game I thought you would pick and you know what I've noticed is for some reason the professional betters in Vegas are all over the Ravens just like you and I would imagine I haven't seen this for sure but I would imagine you give the public Mahomes plus three and a half against anybody and they're gonna jump all over that so I'm gonna assume that's where the public money is I'm undecided on this. I mean, Kansas City's had the Ravens number. They, I think, they, I think Mahomes is two and zero against the Ravens. But anyway, um, the, uh, the the Ravens have not really looked good. Even their last uh, match that I remember, uh, it ended up being, I think, a five point victory. But really, it was a more of a blowout, and that was more garbage time. Uh, that is not a game I would pick at all. That's maybe the toughest game of the week for me to really pick. I I don't really know what the pros are, are seeing. Um, I guess you said it's a statement game, and, and maybe it is. They definitely feel wronged that they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. They didn't even get the chance to face the Chiefs in the playoffs. So, yeah, um, that's an interesting one. Good for you for, for taking a pick Thank on you. that one. Yeah, so that so you're, you're, you're using that one straight up and against the spread. Yep. And then because we can have three different ones, right? We can, sure. right? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go with the obvious one to start. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts uh, minus, I last I looked, minus 11 and a half. Uh, against the New York Jets, uh, what you got there? Let's see, I've got uh, yep, eleven and a half. Yeah, Andy. yeah, eleven and a half, which obviously is not a key number. Even if it went up or down a little bit, doesn't really matter. Um, the thing is, you, the pros in Vegas they hate to. They're always looking for a, a close game and then like the underdog plus the points. They don't like to take you know minus eleven and a half because they're always garbage time and all this other stuff. But I don't see what kind of pushback you get on the New York Jets this week. They've got enough. Not only even if they were all healthy. Yeah. Never mind, then they're all out. I mean, they have Darnold, who made one really nice throw last week, but other than that, has clearly regressed under Adam Gase and is not a great quarterback. And frankly, if the Jets end up with the first overall pick, I think they take Trevor Lawrence and move on from Sam Darnold. And, That's a great point. And at that point, you have to fire... You should, I mean, the fact they haven't fired Gase now, and you still have Chris Johnson, the owner's son, saying, oh, Gase is a brilliant offensive mind. It's like, I don't know where to start with that. But anyway, uh, I'm going to take the Colts both ways. Um as a lock of the week, because I just don't see any pushback. Even James, like even if Jameson Crowder was playing, you have your slot guy, he right. can take it to the house like he did last game, and maybe, if, but you have nothing. Like all their guys are hurt. It's unbelievable. Uh, much like the Niners this week, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point here, but unbelievable amounts of injuries, and I, I'll take the Colts both ways as a lock for both uh, categories. Okay, um, my next one, I deliberated between two games, and uh, I've decided to talk about the Watt Bowl, which is going to happen in Pittsburgh tomorrow. The Pittsburgh Steelers, minus four, they're four-point favorites over the visiting Houston Texans and you know I hate Houston and um, I hate Bill O'Brien and in fairness to the Texans they have had as brutal a schedule to start their season than anybody in the National Football League they opened on the road in Kansas City their home opener was the Baltimore Ravens and now they head back out onto the road to play the Watt Bowl in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is really to me is looking very good obviously we're only two weeks in but uh, I'm getting a little tired, i got to be honest. Even though these guys are from Wisconsin, I'm getting tired of being a little bit oversaturated with Watt shit. Um, they had a game show on TV this year, but I should get off of that. But I am getting a little tired of all the the TJ Watt, the JJ Watt, the Derek Watt. I'm getting tired of it. because They've got Subway commercials out where they've got their parents involved now. But back onto the field itself, 
I just think Pittsburgh's too good. Houston is poorly coached. And I don't know how anybody could survive that first three weeks, in fairness to the Houston Texans, where they play Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. And right now, those, to me, would look like the three, the top three teams, seeded teams in the AFC. So in this scenario, in Pittsburgh, you've got the two Watt brothers against the, the eldest Watt brother. But the bottom line here, would you rather have Mike Tomlin calling the shots or would you rather have Butchin calling the shots? And that's easy for me. Again, the number is minus four for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going Steelers both straight up and against the spread as my second lock of the week. I'm going to echo that one, Mike, exactly. That was my next one. Pittsburgh both ways. They are looking so solid. If you remember last year, until two really unfortunate games to end the year, they had won whatever it was, seven out of eight with no quarterbacking, just pure defense. The brilliant acquisition of Minka Fitzpatrick back there as as an amazing safety. Yeah, the great pass rush, including TJ Watt. Like, they've just got everything. Imagine if they still had Ryan Chazier. Maybe that Devin Bush will work out, but he's been okay so far. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just the defense defense alone and poor Deshaun Watson just has no help uh David Johnson looked good in the first game uh came back to earth a bit in the second and he's not that great uh, anymore I certainly didn't draft him in fantasy at all and uh, I just uh, I just I just think the Pittsburgh is just a way better team it's almost like uh the Houston Texans need a number one receiver like DeAndre Hopkins or something I mean <laughs> I mean just I mean you have you have four number two or number three receivers trying to be a number one like Will Fuller like Will Fuller was in and out of the game last week with an injury where have you seen that before you know you've got I you know Randall Cobb was good for the Packers for a while but I mean he's getting old Brandon Cooks is literally one hit away from retirement like literally one one hit like he's had what five or six or seven whatever however many concussions and who's uh, Kenny Stills who you know uh whatever I mean he's he's the fourth receiver in a group of number four receivers Right. right so I mean he's like good for one deep pass a game and that's it uh, they're just outclassed. I mean, yeah, you got to like J.J. Watt and everything he's done for the city of Houston. And, and Deshaun Watson is such a nice young man, and, and he just seems like a really good kid. But uh, nobody likes Bill O'Brien. The team's a joke. They should they should still have Clowney. They should still have Hopkins. Uh, they're just, it's just a nightmare. It's just a nightmare. And it's same as the Jets in terms of, uh, and that's why I'm betting against both of these franchises this week. It's the same thing where, you know, the, one owner died, and the other one is the ambassador to London. Yeah. Literally, that's England, how. Yeah. That, that's already yes, right, England. That it sounds like I'm using that as a euphemism for space cadet. Like he's just like he's not even here, but he's literally the ambassador to England. Like literally, yeah. right? And so you've got their their dumb sons just like oh I don't know I guess the guy I guess he's good, and uh, it's it's sad. So yeah, Pittsburgh both ways. Yeah, fuck Bill O'Brien. Okay, my third lock of the week as we welcome you again to this unique 537th episode of Unscripted. And we're working with only one microphone because Mikey is a screw-up, but uh, I apologize for that. But we continue and we persevere on. My third lock of the week here in week number three of the National Football League. And part of me, of course, wants this to happen because of the team. One of the teams in this game happens to be a resident of the NFC North. And the Chicago Bears were lucky to survive week one against the Detroit Lions in Detroit. The Giants gave them a run in their home opener last week at Soldier Field in Chicago. And then they even stayed competitive, meaning they, meaning the, meaning the Giants, after they lost Saquon Barkley to that devastating uh, torn ACL, which will cost him the full year. And you watch the Giants just go right now. 
And if you're looking for Daniel Jones to progress, it's going to be pretty difficult to do that without number 26 in your backfield. Having said all that, I believe that the Chicago Bears are very fortunate to be 2-0. And this week, they're going down to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And, you know, this team has personified choking. This team has personified throwing opportunities away. And I don't want to go back to the Super Bowl, but I'm going to of a couple of years ago when they're up 28-3, and we know what happened when they were in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots last week. They had a 20-point lead in Dallas at halftime, and they pissed that away and lost on a last-second field goal to Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. I think Atlanta, their owner, Arthur Blank, has been very, very patient with head coach Dan Quinn, and I believe in my heart of hearts that that patience is starting to, you know, kind of get a little thin. I would think so. And I believe that this is as, not as much, but it is a statement game, I believe, in the locker room of the Atlanta Falcons that they need to go out and kick somebody's ass. They need to go out and get some frustration out of their system. And I think the perfect whipping boys to do that this week is the Chicago Bears. Again, I think the Bears are very fortunate to be 2-0. They just as easily could be 0-2. They still have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. And I believe that Atlanta is the better football team. Atlanta comes into this game as three-point favorites. I have at home, I have the Falcons winning both against the spread and straight up. And this is my third lock of the week. The Atlanta Falcons will beat the Chicago Bears. Not that Mike is biased against the Chicago Bears or anything. Yeah, but... um, I will agree with you that that two and record is a complete sham. Let's be honest for anybody who was wondering how the Detroit Lions were up three scores, 23 to six in the fourth quarter and blew it against Mitch Trubisky of all people. It's because Mitch Trubisky looks just fine in practice, but uh, not in the games typically. But when all three of your top cornerbacks go down, all of a sudden Mitch Trubisky had no one guarding his receivers and was able to throw three touchdowns. And uh, all of a sudden, everyone thinks he's he's good or something like that. And the Detroit Lions, I think, without all their corners going down, uh, would have won that game in week one. And then, of course, that was a complete farce last week. The Every every bounce went against the Giants, and they still had a chance to throw it in the end zone on the last play, and which would have been which would have given them the win. So the Chicago Bears are a complete sham. They are not a good team. Their O-line sucks. Their defense isn't as good as people think. They've lost so much personnel that no one pays attention to. And I I appreciate what you're saying. I don't trust Atlanta either, though. Um, So I'm staying away from that game. But uh, as much as the Chicago Bears being 2-0 is just a massive sham, uh, and I'm sure that they'll get exposed by the Packers when they play them, uh, I will say that with Atlanta and Dan Quinn, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because Dan Quinn, you know, I don't hate He seems like a nice guy personally, but uh, he needs to go. And I'll tell you why. Because, yes, he's known for blowing leads and blew the Super Bowl and all that. And, and especially as a defensive coach, he wasn't hired as an offensive coach. He wasn't hired to have his team be the offense that throws the ball more than any other in the NFL, which they are and have been the, since last year. Uh, he was hired as a defensive coach. Number one, he should make their defense better. He hasn't. Number two, he should be able to protect leads. He has been the last person to do that. And number three, and this is why he should be fired. And when I'm going to put a reason ahead of blowing a massive lead in the Super Bowl, a four-score lead late third quarter, 28-3, when I'm going to put something ahead of that, you'd think it would be a colossal blunder, but really it's a small one. But the number one reason that Dan Quinn should be fired is because of that onside kick debacle this past week. That's why. Because, yeah. you know why? Because, and you, your dad was a high school coach. The job of a coach is to teach fundamentals. Right. 
If you don't teach fundamentals, you can fuck off because you have no place there. And if your guys and not even and like you need to coach technique as part of the fundamentals, but especially at the very minimum, even if you can't teach technique, your players need to know the rules of football. And if they don't, you need to go. And that's it. Sorry. When all you have to do to avoid not only losing, but a massive embarrassment of a loss to an overrated team and an overrated coach on the other side, never mind yourself. When all you have to do is your guys just have to jump on the ball and it's sitting there and it should only, and it goes five yards and it looks like it's going to stop. And then it spins another five and everyone's watching in slow motion. And all you need to do is have not even all of your guys, one of your guys on your special teams needs to know that you end the game by jumping on the ball and Dallas can't touch it before 10, but you can. You got to go. And, th- and that's it. I'm sorry, Dan Quinn. You seem like a good guy, but you need to go. And, and that is a massive failure, and you can't have that in the NFL. You need to jump on the ball and you win the game. Instead, you're embarrassed. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, nothing against Mr. Blank. He seems like a good owner, but uh, yeah, he's, uh, he would be better served with someone else, Dan Quinn. You, you've been a failure. And you, you need to go back to being a DC. At best, I'm not sure if you deserve that anymore, either based on your Atlanta performance. Anyway, my uh, last lock, I'm going to say... Um, Against the spread, I'd like to do uh, the New York Giants, who I think are plus four and a half. Giants, uh, San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco's three and a half point favorites now as of this morning. Okay, three and a half. Whatever it is, I'm taking the Giants with the points because San Fran is missing everybody. They are missing Garoppolo, uh, Mostert, Coleman, D. Ford, Kittle, R- Kittle Richard Sherman, uh, Nick Bosa, like they're all out. They're all out. And so you have to take the Giants this week. They got unlucky that last week without a turnover in the first week against Pittsburgh at the goal line. Maybe they win that game too. So uh, they're underrated severely. They were to start the year anyway. Uh, Giants with the points. And then for outright, you have to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know they're on the road, but there aren't really any fans. Uh, they're in Denver. And you know, the only chance that Denver has is to run the ball, and they're going against the number one rush defense these last couple seasons here, this year and last year, and they're not going to be able, nobody can run the ball on Tampa, and if they throw, they've got Jeff Driscoll backed up by Blake Bortles, who doesn't even know the playbook yet, uh, not that he will ever, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you got to go with Tampa, I mean, and I'm not even, I'm not high on Brady at all, I think he's done, frankly, and he, He's being uh, he's his his weaknesses are mostly being hidden, although he was exposed in week one. But uh, even with that, Tampa's going to win the game. You you can't. Denver doesn't have a chance. They just have nothing going for them. They don't even have Von Miller anymore. They don't have their quarterback. They lost Cortland Sutton, their number one receiver for the year. They're screwed. Too. They feel Lindsay's still out. I think like they're they're just screwed. And uh, Tampa all the way on that one. Well. Um, our picks of the week then. So our locks for me, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Atlanta for Chris. Um, yeah, Indy, Indy, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and then Giants plus the points. Right. With uh, with uh, Tampa. Tampa as yeah. Okay, there we go. So those are our six or seven locks of the week, and uh, again, a very interesting week number three in the National Football League season. I think the game of the week potentially uh, would could be a replay of the famous fumble game from 2001 in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts between the now Las Vegas Raiders and the New England Patriots. I think that's the game. You can argue with this with me till you're blue in the face, but this is the game that started the uh, dynasty of the New England Patriots because a referee's call gave them the start that they needed because that was a fumble. The tuck roll is bullshit. 
and Charles Woodson stripped the ball from Tom Brady back in 2001 in a Stow Storm in Foxborough. But regardless, these two teams meet again. I think the game that potentially might be the most fun to watch might be the Sunday night game between the Green Bay Packers and the New and the New Orleans Saints simply because it's Aaron Rodgers versus uh, Drew Brees and you definitely have some weapons not playing on both sides of the ball. Michael Thomas will not play for the Saints. Devontae Adams will not play for the Packers, but I have been very very pleasantly surprised as to Matt LaFleur's offense in year number 2 is showing a lot of a lot of different intangible new little quirks and a little, you know, different misdirection and stuff like that and they're getting a bunch of people involved. So again, it's only 2 weeks in. Again, they've played the Vikings, who've been disappointing, and the Lions, who are worse. But again, it's a positive start offensively for the Packers. For New Orleans, I don't know what's happened in New Orleans. New Orleans played, I thought, pretty well in Week 1, but they looked like dog shit last week in Vegas against the Raiders. They couldn't make a play. They couldn't stop. Yes, they've been nicked up a little bit with injuries, but I think everybody has been nicked up a little bit with injuries. And I think that this game will go over the over, which I believe is somewhere in the 60s. I don't know that number right to my right in front of me, but I believe that the over is somewhere between 60 and 63 for this game on Sunday night. And I think with these two explosive offenses, and let's say at best, iffy defenses, this could be the most exciting game of the week in a, in a week that, again, has a bunch of exciting games in it. Looking forward to seeing Breeze versus Rodgers potentially for the last time. So unless they meet somewhere in, you know, down the road in the playoffs, but for week number three, I think uh, we've picked some good games as locks of the week, but I think the most exciting one potentially could be. And what I'm really excited about, to be honest with you, Mike Tirico is calling this game with Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night instead of Al Michaels. And I love Al Michaels, but I like Mike Tirico better. And to listen to Tirico again, and you've got Breeze, and you've got Brady in the Superdome, and the best thing for Packer fans, no Saints fans in the building. So that's going to be able to help uh, Aaron Rodgers with his play calls and his cadence. And the Packers have not done well the last number of times down to New Orleans, but this time, without the New Orleans fans, I think should be very interesting to see. Anytime you get Drew, uh, Breeze, and, and Aaron Rodgers on a football field, we could have a lot of fireworks to talk about next week. I actually uh, was considering making New Orleans one of my locks this week uh, because I think that Devontae Adams being out for the Packers hurts them even more than Michael Thomas being out for the Saints hurts them. I could see the leading receivers in this game being Aaron Jones and Elvin Kamara. Oh, for sure. To be be honest, there's going to be a lot of dump-offs. The media is criticizing Drew Brees for being done because he's got the lowest yards per throw ever so far and whatever because he just dumps it off to Kamara all the time because no one can stop Kamara, who's looked unbelievable. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know Mike Tirico was calling it. I was going to be watching that game no matter what anyway. But, uh, geez, with Tirico, that's going to be exciting. I miss Tirico and Gruden. That's my favorite commentary team of all time. I would watch any Monday night game, even if I had nothing on the line, just because it was Tirico and Gruden. Um, so that's exciting. Yes, and obviously, as any real football fan knows, the tuck rule is bullshit, and that's why it is gone now. It does not exist anymore. And really, at the time, it barely did either. They were just desperate for uh, the red, white, and blue team to win after 9-11, you know, which <laughs> exactly right. that was fucking, exactly that was right. fucking bullshit. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, and Brady. Who knows? Maybe yeah. Maybe Brady ends up being uh, you know, just a random quarterback from the sixth round. I still think he's an overrated system quarterback. So whatever. But yeah, he's done, and he will get exposed even more later this year. But I will just quickly say with that game, I did watch that whole Monday night game with the Raiders, and they figured out what you do against the Saints, and uh, that's uh, throw at Malcolm Jenkins with a with a really. Uh, talented tight end and uh, just control the time of like I think the the Saints had one possession in the third quarter and then like yeah, I think you're right. yeah right and then like they they hardly touched the ball like uh, and I think that's just such a brilliant strategy to uh, to go against a high powered offense is just just kill the clock target a target a mismatch in the secondary and run the ball as much as you can and uh, you know the Raiders have spent more on their O line than anybody else and uh, it shows they're they're looking fantastic especially their center and a uh, big fan of them. Uh, hope for the best, but uh, I will just say, I also considered making the Patriots a lock simply because of the position. When you have a team in the Raiders playing their first game in Las Vegas at the Death Star, they're looking forward to it. They're excited. You get the, the emotional victory on Monday night in front of everybody, and then all of a sudden, you have to go and play a team that other than 20 years ago, you don't have rivalry with, and you're on a short work week, and they're coming off a big loss in a national game. You just had a big emotional win. You're due for a letdown. I could see the Raiders coming out flat, and uh, and Belichick's going to be ready for them for sure. And uh, I, I could see that. I think the Patriots are going to win that game uh, as much as I hate to say that. I would put one spin on this. This would be the one week that the Las Vegas Raiders might be more prepared than at any time. Because remember, Chucky Gruden was at that game and he was coaching the Raiders in 2001. And I think Chucky Gruden would have taken them to the Super Bowl in 2001. And who knows if history would have changed if they had made that Super Bowl appearance in 2001. Does Chucky even go to Tampa Bay? I don't know. That would be interesting to see. Uh, I, I, you know, again, I think this is where the motivational Chucky Gruden comes out this week. And I think he could really be a factor in that football game on Sunday in Foxborough. We've got a run on this 237th episode of Unscripted. A quick look at some games upcoming in week number three of the National Football League. Later on this week, obviously, we've got to talk about what's going on in the National Hockey League, the NBA. Major League Baseball is now in their postseason, so congratulations to them. And Conor McGregor potentially has a fight coming up. I want to talk about that as well. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.